Good morning and uh, welcome to this week's Portrait of Jesus. And uh, we're reading from John chapter 4, starting from verse 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, You'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, But sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water and I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him here. I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right? Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on the mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The Anointed One is here speaking with you. I am the one you are looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the Anointed One we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go and see Jesus. I wanted to share this week's painted portrait before Rick comes to unpack the word portrait. And this one has an intriguing story behind it. 
Now, if you were to imagine what Jesus might have looked like, you might picture him as a strong Middle Eastern face with a beard, eyes that could look right into your soul. Well, this painting that looks just like that was done by Akiani Kramerik. You may think it's beautiful, but not particularly remarkable. The reason I chose this for this week is that God has a habit of using the least expected people to carry his message. He seems to delight in it. And just as the woman at the well was the last person anyone would expect to shout the truth about Jesus, Akian was the last person you would imagine to do a painting like this. Why? Well, Akian was only eight when she painted this. Obviously, she is a rare genius, but what is even more intriguing is that she grew, grew up in an atheist home where God was not believed in and was never, ever talked about. She was homeschooled and lived a very isolated life. But still at the age of four, she began to tell her mother about visions she was having of God and Jesus. Visions so real that she began to paint and draw amazing pictures for one so young. Her story is incredible. At the age of eight, she went on a search for a man whose face matched the vision she had seen of Jesus. And believe it or not, this painting is of a young carpenter that she met whose face was close to what she had seen in her dreams. God can and will use any willing, humble and open heart. Well, good morning. I hope you're enjoying this series, The Portrait of Jesus, as much as I am. As we unpack today's portrait, I'm praying you'll get more insights into Jesus, the most remarkable man who ever lived. He's described in the New Testament in this way. Christ is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. In my experience of faith, I've seen time and again God use any willing, humble heart to draw people to himself according to his glorious purpose. Hearts that are not perfect, but are open to the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we saw Jesus pierce the pride of a Jewish leader called Nicodemus. He was an admirable person, successful, talented, moral and religious. And yet he was blinded to the true faith by his own self-righteousness. Jesus told him, you must be born again. A spiritual rebirth only God could give him. Last week, we saw the challenging Jesus confront a religious insider. Today, Jesus meets the religious outcast to reveal the inclusive Jesus. It's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Here's a bit of background to give context. She is a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans are Jews who intermarried with Canaanites, sort of a, became a mixed race. Their religion was considered by Jews to be inferior, for they worshipped in their own temple on their own mountain, not the one in Jerusalem. 
Also, she's a woman. A Jewish man was forbidden from talking to women without family present. And she is someone her own people had judged unworthy. As we'll see later, she'd had five husbands and is now in a de facto relationship. So to the story. She comes to draw water in the heat of the day, not early morning with other women, to avoid contact and presumably more judgment about her life choices. She is a marginalised woman within her own marginalised town. Enter Jesus, who not only acknowledges her, he asks her for help, then engages her in a discussion about what it means to be acceptable to God. In so doing, Jesus reaches across barriers of race, culture, gender and faith. He meets her alone at the well of Jacob. It's an outrageous thing for him to do, and the woman knows it. He's tired and thirsty and in an arid country, so he asks her for a drink, and she calls out the scandal of it. He says if she knew who he was, she'd ask him for a drink of living water. And she scoffs, are you better than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well? He says for her to go and get her husband so he can explain it to them both. And she says she has no husband. Jesus says, you're right, you've had five and you're not married to the one you're now with. It's a fascinating exchange about God, worship and religion, showing that she was a curious, bold and intelligent person, aware of her spiritual heritage. Unlike Nicodemus, who was unaware of his moral deficiencies, she is very conscious of what her past choices mean for her future. So what is Jesus helping her understand by gentle questions? That he has something as basic and necessary to her spiritual life as water is vital to her physical life. Living water that only God can provide. More than this, Jesus is promising that this living water will satisfy from the inside and last for eternity. And it's unrelated to the external practice of religion and ritual. Jesus is talking about soul satisfaction, contentment and joy, about acceptance by God, about the inclusiveness of true faith, and of the eventual removal of barriers to true worship for all who would believe. Well, it's all very confusing to her and doesn't fit with her lived experience. So she tells him that when the Messiah comes, he'll explain it all to her. Jesus then reveals himself as being that Messiah she longs for. The woman is overjoyed so much so that she leaves her water jar and runs into town to tell everyone, come and see a man who knows everything about me, yet accepts me. Could he possibly be the Messiah? The Apostle John records that as a result of her testimony, many Samaritans believed in Jesus. Now, here's an interesting side note. The Gospel tells us that Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee. He didn't take the usual eastern trade route along the Jordan River, 
but instead went via the village of Sychar in Samaria, an arid and dangerous area. Why did he do that? Some suspect, and I tend to agree with them, that Jesus took that deliberate detour just to meet this woman. Well, what happened to her after meeting Jesus? While the Bible does not name her, the Eastern Orthodox Church, which grew up in that area, its tradition has preserved her story in the biographies of the saints. In them, she is given the name Fatini, which means enlightened one, and she is revered in that church as the mother of all evangelists. Here is an artist's impression of her, surrounded by a halo of living water, and water droplets radiate from her as the symbol of her evangelistic gift. What more do we know from scripture and church tradition about Fatini? She is a misunderstood character. Contrary to popular commentary on her life, Jesus never called her a sinner, nor did he ask her to repent. Many scholars have assumed she was an adulterer. Yet while it is true that her marital history is mixed, historical context may help explain her situation a bit differently. Certainly she'd not be accepted in marriage if she had been an adulteress, as no man would bring that shame on his family name. And women of the day had no rights, especially to divorce a man. Women were considered property of the lowest status. So it is possible she was cast aside for other reasons or she left in shame. Maybe she was unable to give them children. In that culture, women were not allowed a life independent of men. So her many marriages were her way of surviving. It's possible Jesus tells her marital history to record how hard her life was, not to shame her, and to reveal insights into her life only God could know. She is also a seeker of truth. Her story is one of the longest in the Bible about a woman. Scholars say it's the longest recorded conversation he has with anyone, man or woman. Even so, she was not just a passive listener, but an engaged questioner and thinker. And she's honest with Jesus about who she is. She's also a credible witness. When she returned to her community, she spoke publicly about her shame. She then told them of the Messiah and how he had accepted her. She told of how God accepted Jews and Samaritans equally. That it was the heart of faith and worship, not the place of it, that mattered to God. Spirit and truth, Jesus called it. The town accepted her testimony because of the obvious change in her, and they believed her enough to go en masse to see Jesus for themselves. She was the mother of evangelists. Unlike the Bible, tradition is not 100% accurate, but she was very important to the early church, no doubt. Tradition says she was baptized by the disciples during Jesus' two days stay in that town. She spent the rest of her life sharing the good news of Jesus throughout Samaria and even going as far as Carthage, now called Tunisia, in northern Africa, 
She is also said to have gone to Rome to witness to Emperor Nero, who eventually martyred her for her faith in around 60 AD. So what do we learn about the nature of God from this portrait of Jesus? Well, firstly, there is no barrier Jesus won't cross. Race, culture, gender, faith, even death, to reach us with his love. What about you? Are there things in your life, things you've done, that you think keep you from a full relationship with God? Give Jesus the opportunity and he'll meet you anywhere, anytime. He crossed the universe because he loves us. The second thing we learn is God uses any willing and humble heart, not perfect people, to draw men and women back to himself. God is not blind to sin in the lives we lead, how we separate ourselves from his love, but he doesn't wait for our perfection. He only requires our trust and faith in Jesus to see the barriers come down. Let's now view the story of this remarkable woman with fresh eyes, portrayed in the video series, The Chosen. As Fatini discovered, to know Jesus is to know God, and that changes everything. <laughs> 